Uh, Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of the prophet Jeremiah in the ninth chapter, beginning at the second verse and continuing through the ninth. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Oh, that I had in the desert a lodging place for travelers so that I might leave my people and go away from them. For they are all adulterers, a crowd of unfaithful people. They make ready their tongues like a bow to shoot lies. It is not by truth that they triumph in the land. They go from one sin to another. They do not acknowledge me, declares the Lord. Beware of your friends. Do not trust anyone in your clan. For every one of them is a deceiver and every friend a slanderer. Friend deceives friend and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongues to lie. They weary themselves with sinning. You live in the midst of deception. In their deceit, they refuse to acknowledge me, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says. See, I will refine and test them. For what else can I do because of the sin of my people? Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceitfully. With their mouths, they all speak cordially to their neighbors. But in their hearts, they set traps for them. Should I not punish them for this, declares the Lord? Should I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? Here ends this reading from God's holy word.
Our New Testament reading this morning is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew. In the 15th chapter, beginning at the 10th verse and continuing through the 20th, again I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him and said to them, listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. Then he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles, for out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. This morning's appointed gospel lectionary text from the first book of the New Testament revolves around Jesus' interpretation or reinterpretation of the Jewish law tradition as part of it relates to hygiene. Now, I have to admit, if I had gone to listen to an up-and-coming lecturer on theology who was going to be a guest at my seminary, I would have looked forward to hearing them talk about oh, the new perspective on Paul or, or the principal schools of thought on the atonement. I would not come expecting to hear a discussion of whether the paleo or the Atkins diet was superior. Well, that sort of disconnect is disorienting. I know I've been in the audience to hear a couple of rather famous speakers now. One was Leonard Nimoy and the other was Henry Heimlich. And neither one of them delivered the goods that we, the audience, had been promised and were expected. And we left equal parts confused and disappointed. And just as here in the 10th chapter of Matthew, where Jesus has been called to task by the religious authorities of his day, over his disciples' failure to wash their hands before eating. Last year, had this topic been brought up, I doubt that it would have raised more than an eyebrow or two. Yes, we still usually remind our children and our grandchildren of this fact, even still. But we have otherwise pretty much forgotten or disregarded the necessity for washing our hands until quite recently. 
with all the attention that's been focused on the pandemic and what we can do to slow the spread and flatten the curve, as they say, more attention has once again been turned to personal hygiene. The advice which continues to be dispensed from the public health authorities is that we should avoid being in confined spaces within very close distance of other people for any length of time, and that we should cover our mouths and noses when we're going to be in proximity to others, and we should frequently and thoroughly wash our hands. Just like the Pharisees, the scribes, and the elders of the Israelites had told Jesus he needed to remind his followers to do. Now, of course, the coronavirus pandemic wasn't the impetus for this admonition on their part, but it was on account of something arguably as grave as a global health crisis. It was on account of the rules for living that had been set forth in the laws of the people of Israel. Now, you can go scouring through the books of Deuteronomy, literally meaning the reprisal or the second telling of the law, and or of Leviticus, as they lay out in even the smallest detail how the people of God were supposed to act in ways that were designed to separate even their routine and mundane practices of living as being distinct and separate from that of the rest of the nations. But even if you go through all that trouble, I could save it for you, uh, you won't find a command in there that says, thou shalt wash your hands before dinner. But the implication is set forth that by washing, you are removing the contamination that was possible having encountered in your life, your work, your everyday goings, comings and goings, uh, contact with a person or a substance or an animal that was unclean. So you are washing to avoid cross-contamination, as it were. And so you ought to clean your hands so that the only food that enters your body, the only food that's set forth in the law that's allowable for you to put in your body, remains clean. And so you don't become unclean. And this is what Jesus is here arguing about and against. His radical reinterpretation of the covenant between God and the people of God is that the laws concerning ritual purity were meant to be an outward expression, a manifestation to the people all around them that they were indeed somehow different. But the external signs were not meant to be the be-all and end-all in and of themselves. They were merely pointers to something that wasn't visible to outsiders. And that is of a cleanliness of the heart, a purity in the worship of the one true God, the avoidance of the idolatry practiced by all the others who followed other gods, whether they were from another pantheon or whether they were entirely within themselves. 
This is the cleanliness issue, which I think is at the heart of his ministry and this latest argument against the religious establishment of his people in those days. So while they want to know why Jesus' disciples, and they didn't come right out and say it, but by extension, they were saying, and you too, rabbi, leader of this group, why are you allowing yourselves to be defiled by eating food with unclean hands? Well, Jesus wants to know of those who had come to visit and inquire from Jerusalem why it was that they had allowed themselves to be defiled in an even more pernicious manner. Put another way, in the words of the influential 19th century Scottish pastor George MacDonald, there is no heaven with a little bit of hell in it. No plan to retain this or that of the devil in our hearts or our pockets. It isn't what goes in, after all, that's the problem Jesus is teaching. It's what comes out. That is a reflection of our inner state, and that it is what seems to be of greater concern to the Father than what we eat or how we go about eating it. That was a revolutionary understanding then, and it remains a revolutionary statement today. Jesus was, after all, questioning the need to follow the dictates regarding what is clean and what is unclean. No pious Hebrew of his day would have dared to, to think or say such a thing. The Jews, even to modern times, have a history of a heavy emphasis on tradition, as anyone who's seen Fiddler on the Roof can attest to. As early as 500 years before Christ's birth, they had a collection of writings that included all the regulations about clean and unclean foods and about clean and unclean eating practices and the discussions held about them by leading scholars and interpreters guiding adherents in the correct ways to prepare food and to prepare oneself for the act of consuming that food. But for Jesus, all that discussion, all that arguing and wrangling, all that writing, this was simply a case of majoring in the minors. For he is here arguing, what good does taking all these measures do when the uncleanliness that is already resident in you as a result of sin holds sway over your behavior. Imagine hearing someone today with the audacity to say, in effect, y'all should be putting more emphasis on getting your own house in order instead of walking around telling everyone else about how they need to get their own house in order. That would be seen by many as crossing the line from preaching to meddling. But Jesus was never one to fear blurring that line, especially when it came to his interactions with the pompous and pretentious religious authorities of his day. In our day, I can't help but be amazed at all the energy, all the attention, and all the anxiety, for that matter, around this latest public health threat. Not to minimize in any way the devastating effect that it's had, on people's lives and their livelihoods, but as bad as it is, there are other things 
which afflict us far worse. And unlike a virus that attacks from the outside, the wounds that cut deeper are those which are self-inflicted. Even after the gods of science and technology are able to offer us the holy grail of vaccines that will begin to combat COVID, we will find that we are still living in the shadow of death. Our lives will not be spared by big government or by big pharma because their mission and their ability is limited to enhancing our quality of life. It does not extend beyond that. Neither of these entities can keep us from death or taxes. The sooner we face up to that eventuality, the more likely I think we are to hear and to begin to understand what Jesus is explaining to his disciples who asked him, explain to us, Master, what does this parable mean? Someone observed that we should all be wearing face masks, not so much as because they're protection against airborne pathogens, but because they make it harder for us to speak. That, as Jesus said, is where the defilement comes from. Scripture is constantly reminding us that living is inherently messy work. After all, you were created from the soil, from the dirt, from the dust by the Almighty who breathed into this mortal flesh. Laboring in the fields of the Lord is frequently done in unsanitary conditions and among some unclean people. Uh, look at where I've been. Look at who I've been eating with, Jesus would say. And then look inside yourselves, my friends, and you will see that you too share the same sorts of afflictions as the rest of the world. As for you, my brothers and sisters, my desire is that you would continue to minister to your fellow sinners, but that you would also not lose sight of the life abundant and eternal which flows from one source only. My Father, your Father, He is the only one with the will and the power to conquer sin and death. And Jesus is announcing, I am going to be the first fruits of that reality to demonstrate for you just how much care the Father has for you, his beloved children. This will be the sign for you that a real and a permanent solution that all that ails humanity is indeed available and at hand from everlasting to everlasting. So go ahead, wash your hands. It will keep you feeling better. But allow your hearts to be washed clean too through the power of the Spirit. It will not only change the way you live in the here and now, but it will also change the way you will live in the life of the age to come. And for that, we can truly say, thanks be to God.